Hey, it's John Terry, the Black Belt Leader. Welcome to the Be a Black Belt Leader podcast. I want to open with a question. What happened to winning? When did it become okay to stop pursuing excellence? What happened to being competitive, both as an individual and as a society? Who said it was acceptable to stop measuring performance and to stop keeping score? Now, why do I bring that up? I heard on the news this week, well, I would say it was shocking, but today nothing shocks me anymore. Here's what I heard. A growing number of colleges and universities across the United States are doing away with their traditional grading system. No more A, B, C, D, F. Yeah, you heard me. That's right. They're now introducing what they're calling gradeless classes. These gradeless classes are now being offered at major colleges and universities all over the country, and the trend is spreading to high schools, junior highs, middle schools, and even elementary schools. Now, the big question for me is why? And as I was watching the news and listening to this report, here's what the colleges and universities had to say about this move to a gradeless system. We are doing this, they said, in response to the significant stress our students are under as they've had to leave their homes and they're now experiencing college life and all the stressors they're in. And it's going to add too much stress on the psyche and welfare and well being of the students to hold them accountable for their results. Now, think about what they just said. These students, these young men and women are paying tens of thousands of dollars to be educated at these quality, higher education, and I use that term quality loosely, they are being educated at these colleges and universities who are supposed to be preparing them and helping them become masters of the subject matter they're studying. So when they exit the halls of those universities, of those colleges, they can walk into the workplace and be successful at who they are and what they do. But these universities, these colleges are telling us we've got to pay more attention to the students' feelings, to their sensitive needs, than making sure they're actually mastering the subject matter they're going to go out in the world and seek to be employed for and be paid based upon the results they bring to an organization. These organizations, by their actions, are failing to prepare these students to be successful in life. Now, when I heard that, my immediate response was this, are you serious? Really, that's happening in the United States of America. And sure enough, it is. Well, here's what I'd like to say about that in my response to these colleges and universities. Life is a competition. Individuals compete. Communities compete. Businesses compete. States compete. You as a college compete for the students that you are trying to entice to come to your university, to your college, over going somewhere else. Nations compete. In life, there are winners and there are losers. And in the real world, you don't get a medal just for showing up. But these universities, these colleges, and our public education system is now giving credence to this gradeless system that is rewarding mediocrity. The fact that we're removing standards of excellence that we can measure against 
to be competitive in the world are being replaced with this gradeless system that's going to allow kids just to go to a class, work through the content as best they can, and be promoted to go represent the United States in the competitive world in which we live. And I say, really, you've got to be kidding. What are we doing? This new normal in classrooms and in homes across America is setting our nation up for failure. And here's what I have to say about that. This is not black belt leadership. This is not modeling black belt excellence so others can see and do the same. Now, when we as a society start promoting children from one grade to the next without requiring that they complete the subject matter and master it and move them on, we're doing more harm than good. When kids go from the third grade all the way to high school and they can't read at grade level, we are not setting them up for success. We are setting them up for failure. When we don't hold kids accountable, we don't hold them responsible to a standard of excellence and challenge them to become the very best version of themselves they can become, to get them into that uncomfortable place where growth happens and to help them discover, develop, and deploy their own black belt leader within to become a black belt master at whatever it is they're gifted at, we are condemning our children to a life of dependence, to a life of lack, and we are sending them out into society ill-equipped for life. What are we doing? We are rewarding mediocrity and we're making it acceptable. And when we reward mediocrity and everyone becomes mediocre, here's what happens. Nobody wins. And America as a country loses. Now, when children aren't taught from the early formative years of their lives to compete with their peers, to learn, to borrow a phrase in the wide world of sports, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, those kids fail to learn those important coping mechanisms, those skills that are essential that help empower them to effectively manage the stress they're going to experience in the real world. When you and I, we as a society, lower the standards or we remove the standards altogether, we're removing the consequences of making bad choices. In life, there are choices and consequences. You and I get to choose the choices that we make every single day. And with those choices come a consequence. When you remove the consequence, you now reward poor choices. When we remove the roadblocks of excellence that we measure ourselves against, what happens? we end up teaching a generation of children it's okay to settle for being mediocre, lackluster, and average at best. And what we reward gets repeated. And when we settle for mediocre, we settle for lackluster, we settle for average, and we tell them, it's okay, we'll pass you anyway. That's what we're going to get more of. Now, understand this. Failure is a part of learning. It's a part of growing. It's a part of maturing and becoming a better version of ourselves. And when we remove failure by removing the standards that we measure success or failure against, we remove the opportunity to learn from the mistakes that we're making and we're destined to repeat them over and over again. Why? We have no standard of reference for what success looks like, for what excellence looks like. And we're not requiring and demanding that of our students. 
We're only going to get from them what we demand and ask them to do. Remember, what we reward gets repeated. What we reward, we get more of. And when excellence isn't rewarded, we get less of that. Now, I've been a student of human behavior for decades. And one of the things I've learned as I've studied human behavior is this. The early formative years of a child's life sets the course for their future success or lack thereof. The things that are modeled before them in those early formative years of their lives become the belief system that they embrace and that they live out. What is society today holding up as a belief system? It's not excellence. It's not success. It's ideology. It's some of the crazy idiotic things we're hearing focused on today that really don't matter in the scheme of life. You know, in decades past, our children were taught the value of work and they received the rewards that followed. In the past, our children were taught the value of an education and the doors that education opened for them. Today, we're teaching our children it's okay not to win. Now, this is wrong and our society is suffering the consequences and it's only going to get worse if we don't shift the trend that we're on right now. This is not black belt leadership. You know, as I thought about this report I heard on the news, I thought back to my own childhood. Growing up, my dad started reading to me when I was a few weeks old. He would read me the newspaper, magazines, books, articles, anything and any topic that he could get his hands on, he would read to me to teach me the value of reading. And I learned that from the early formative years of my life to appreciate the value of the written word, the spoken word, and I developed a passion for learning. My mom began to teach me at a very early age and my sister too, our colors, our shapes, our symbols, and to recognize letters and the sound those letters made. My dad taught me to add and subtract using toothpicks, Lego blocks, tinker toys, anything that we could get our hands on. I remember learning lessons with matchbox cars and Hot Wheels from my dad. And by the time I got to kindergarten, I was more than prepared and I was well ahead academically of most of the kids in my class. And because my parents promoted, encouraged, and demanded academic excellence of myself and my sister, we stayed ahead of most everybody else in class. They encouraged academic excellence. They expected it of my sister and me, and they demanded that we give our very best. If our very best was an A, fantastic. If our very best was a B and that's the best we could do, they were okay with that because they understood we weren't going to be great at everything we did. Our parents instilled in my sister and I a unique sense of ownership in the fact that our destiny was up to us. Our parents were there to prepare us. They were there to help us venture into those uncomfortable places of learning new things, to getting into that uncomfortable growth zone where we have the opportunity to expand our thinking, to expand our knowledge, and to expand what we have learned and they were there to hold our hands as we ventured out on our own, but they eventually let us go. 
they put us on the bicycle with training wheels. And then off came one, and then off came two, and ultimately did it go of the bike, and we learned to ride or crash on our own. But we learned the lessons because our parents helped us to take ownership of the process. That's not happening in society today. I think back to what my mom and dad did. They encouraged us. They believed in us. They spoke positive affirmations over my sister, myself, and all the other kids that interacted and came in and were a part of our extended family and the amazing community in which I grew up. They did that regularly. They spoke words of encouragement and told us that the only limitations we were going to experience in life were the limitations that we placed on ourselves. That's not happening in society today. Today, more parents are telling their kids what they can't do than what they can do. They're holding them back because the parents don't believe in themselves. And if they don't believe in themselves, how in the world can they believe in the incredible opportunity that is embedded in the life of that child? Now, my parents also took the time to remind me that every choice I made had a consequence. And they allowed me to fully experience the consequences of the choices I made, good or bad. Good behavior, good grades, and my mom and dad's house were rewarded. Bad behavior, bad grades were not. Remember, what gets rewarded gets repeated. So the question I have for parents today, what do you want repeated in your household? If you want your children to live life of excellence, you've got to model it before them. If you want them to be good academic students and to strive for excellence and to be the very best they can be, if that very best is an A, a B, or a C, or a D, and that's the best they can do, they need to see you striving for excellence and being the very best that you can be as well. Now, one of the things I took from the fact that mom and dad allowed us to make our choices and experience the consequences, and they rewarded good behavior and good grades, they also instilled in my sister and I a sense of friendly competition. We learn both to win and to lose with dignity, with humility, and with respect. But we also learn not just to celebrate our wins, but I learned to celebrate the wins of my sister. She learned to celebrate the wins of her brother. And as a family, we celebrated the family wins together. Now, one of the things we didn't do that is prevalent in society today, my sister and I did not spend hours mindlessly watching TV or listening to the radio. Thank God we didn't have social media back then because that would have been just another temptation to mindlessly chew gum with our brain while we're learning nothing of real value. What did we do instead? My sister and I did chores and we helped out around the house, learning the value of work. Little things like making our beds, picking up our toys, putting our dirty clothes in the hamper, folding our towel after we took a shower or a bath helping with the yard work, taking our dirty plates to the sink and helping mom wash and dry the dishes. Now in the Terry home, those things were expected and they were required. It was part of our learning to be a cooperative family. It was about learning teamwork, about cooperation, collaboration, and the ability to get things done better and faster by working together than trying to do things on our own. All of those life skills, we have the opportunity to teach our children growing up have real life application in the real world. Now, what can I say I learned from that? 
Learning the value of work by the little things mom and dad tasked my sister and I to do equipped me to launch my first business, a neighborhood lawn mowing service at the age of 13. Now, my sister and I, we were also encouraged to go outside and to play, to use our imagination. The books we read, Robin Hood, Robinson Crusoe, Tom Sawyer, Huck Finn, many of the great classics that we read, we lived those stories out. King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, many of the childhood movies that we grew up watching, we had the opportunity to live those things out. We played Cowboys and Indians. We played Army. We played Spaceman. All of the things that we experienced as kids, we used our creativity to create a world of our own. And as a result of that, our ability to think outside the box, our ability to creatively solve problems was enhanced as a result. Real world applications to stretching the creativity and the minds of our children. You know, I'm so impressed with my daughter, Jessie, who has created a program and she's written 20 books at the time of this recording to help parents have a resource to challenge their kids to utilize their creativity. You can find those books at ebenezersjournal.com. She's also created a 52-week course that she's made available to parents each week teaching a different character quality like honor, integrity, respect, kindness, cooperation, goodness. Those quality characteristics we want to instill in our children. Jesse has created a 52-week program where parents can have an interactive experience with their kids coloring pages, activity pages, interactive lessons to teach, instill, and model those character qualities before their kids. Remember, what gets rewarded gets repeated. You can go to ebenezersjournal.com and find those resources to help you equip your kids. Now, side note from that, let me get back to the story. Our creative minds were constantly challenged and our thinking was regularly stretched. My mom and dad knew as we think, we become. And they wanted to stretch the quality of our thinking because they knew as the quality of our thinking improved, the quality of our lives would improve and the quality of how we pursued and took advantage of the opportunities before us to experience more success in life would be much better in fulfillment in our lives. Now, another thing I value about mom and dad is they taught my sister and I the value of money. They taught us about money and how it worked. They explained to us the basics of budgeting and saving, but they also gave us the autonomy to make money mistakes and to learn from those money mistakes. And I can promise you as a kid, my sister and I, we made a few, but mom and dad always expected us to own those mistakes, to own the consequences of our choices. Now we did that and we learned those lessons and here's what I can say. We seldom repeated the same mistake twice. And the real life applications of those lessons we learned as children followed us into adulthood and has helped us to be incredibly successful in many areas of our lives. But today, all of that has changed. Here in America, the United States of America, we can't even get our children to pay attention for more than five minutes, much less focus on preparing them to be successful in life. We have not taught our children discipline and we have not taught them to live disciplined lives 
And as a result of that, they bounce off the walls all day long and they can't stay focused. Why? Because we put them into a world of social media, television, and videos where life is experienced in five to eight minute bites. And then there's a break, there's a commercial, there's some switch in the action and they've not been learned those critical thinking skills and how to stay focused long-term. We parked our children in front of a TV, a smartphone or a tablet, and we've allowed our children to watch what they want for as long as they want. And we've allowed the chewing gum of the mind that is social media, no real practical value of most of the content that's out there, rather than taking the time of those parents who are self-absorbed in their own unique moment of experiencing their moment in the social media themselves, they're not investing in their own children's welfare, their own children's well-being, and their own children's future financial and personal success. What's happened? These parents and society as a whole has stopped modeling and rewarding excellence. And as a result of not modeling and rewarding excellence, we've gotten less of that as a society. When I talk about excellence to kids today, to many of them, it's a foreign word because nobody is modeling the example of excellence before them. Nobody is teaching them what it means to be successful. Now, it started in the homes and then the education system followed suit. And as a result of many of the things taking place in our education system today, our children are no longer taught how to win. They're no longer taught how to be competitive. They're no longer taught how to think critically. They're no longer taught basic reading, writing, arithmetic, science, the important educational things they need to know and master to be successful in life. Now, this is happening in a nation that knows how to win. This United States of America, this incredible 200 plus year experiment that people across the world beg, borrow, and steal to cross our borders legally or illegally to experience this great American dream. This is a nation that knows how to win. And people from around the world want to get here. The United States has been the envy of the rest of the world for generations. Why? We are the country that survived the Great Depression in the 1930s and we rose to dominance as a global superpower. We, the United States of America, defeated the axis of evil in World War II. And we set in motion one of the greatest economic expanses that has made the United States the envy of the world. We, the United States of America, put our collective wisdom and knowledge together and in a single decade, we put a man on the moon. We as the United States battling evil, working together, brought about the fall of the Soviet Union. This is a nation that has known how to win and has shown the rest of the world what winning looks like. But what happened to winning? I was speaking to a group of employers this past week at a Lunch and Learn event, and they were commenting on the fact that they can't hire individuals today who want to work. Even if they find people to respond to their ads, here's what they said. John, we can find people who want a paycheck. We can find those people that want to get paid, but they want to do little or nothing to earn that paycheck. They want to walk in the door, sit on their butt, 
stay for two, three, four hours because that's all they can give us. And the whole time they're there, they're on their phones or they're engaged in talking or they're going outside or they're playing and having fun, not getting the work done. And they expect to be paid for doing nothing. Now, as I began to interact and talk to these employers, a common theme emerged from this lunch conversation. And as I've traveled and talked to business owners in different parts of the country, that same theme continues to emerge. Here's what that theme is. A growing majority of people who are looking for a job in America today haven't been taught critical thinking. They don't know how to think for themselves. They don't know how to think big picture. They don't know how to think outside the box. Many of them don't know how to think at all. Many people looking for a job here in the United States of America can't read, can't write. They can't do basic math. You ask them to make change without using their smartphone or using the calculator that's built into the cash register they're using, they can't even make change without a calculator. They can't do basic math. They have poor communication skills. They can't speak and they can't listen and they don't understand about making eye contact and engaging with people because they live their lives glued to a screen rather than engaging in true human interaction. Another common theme that comes out of what I've gathered from talking to a local group and then other business owners across the country, people looking for a job in America today have no drive, they have no ambition. They can't unglue themselves or they can't function without their smartphones and they can't pay attention for more than just a few minutes. So that begs me this question. How does an organization, how does a business, how does a company in the United States of America win when they're hiring people who've never learned how to compete and they've never been taught how to win in life? When they don't understand what it means to be successful and they don't understand what's required of them because they've never been taught good work ethic, how are they going to add value to a business and allow that business to achieve its full potential? We are at a sad state of affairs here in the United States. So what do we need to do? We need to implement standards. We need to have a measuring stick by which we can measure performance. And once we set those standards, we need to keep raising the bar of excellence. We need to raise the bar in our homes, in our schools, and in our communities. We need to encourage the relentless pursuit of excellence, always striving to be a better version of ourselves today than we were yesterday, and not settling for today as having arrived, but knowing tomorrow we've got to strive to be even better. We need to go back to what worked that made America great. We need to encourage and reward a five-letter word, merit. Merit is not a dirty word. But merit holds people responsible and accountable for their outcomes. And sadly, there is a growing group of people in the United States today that don't want to hold themselves or others responsible for their outcomes. That's why we see rampant homelessness in many, many cities across the United States. Now, when we talk about holding people responsible for their outcomes, it means not just the individuals themselves for the choices they're making, but we also need to hold accountable the people who are raising, training, and educating the next generation.
they need to be held accountable too. And if they aren't helping these kids get to the standard, meet the standard and exceed the standard, then they need to either be remediately trained so that they get the remedial training to get what they need to help these kids see success or they need to be replaced. Parents, educators, churches and synagogues, and our governments, local, county, state, and federal, all need to be held accountable. We need to give everyone equal opportunity. Hear me here. We need to give everyone equal opportunity to rise to their full potential. What we don't need to do is focus on doing away with standards that create equal outcomes, or at least attempt to create equal outcomes, which is never going to happen. You cannot create an equal outcome for everyone because when you do, everyone fails. Nobody wins, everybody loses. Now, this means addressing poor parenting and helping parents who have never learned how to be diligent, effective, focused parents that are helping themselves discover, develop, and deploy their own black belt leader within, and then modeling that before their kids and recognizing and admitting they failed, but realizing there's still a chance and an opportunity to go back and do it right. We need to help and address and give our parents the resources they need to understand how to be more effective parents. We need to address our failing school systems across the board in the United States of America, and we need to make significant and drastic changes so that our kids are getting the education they need and we're not just focusing on indoctrinating kids and teaching them what to think and not how. We need to look at and address government priorities and government social safety nets that are rewarding people who simply give up trying and say, I'm okay with being lackluster, mediocre, and average. Please take care of me. That does not equate to success. Remember, everyone is entitled to an equal opportunity, but not everyone is going to have an equal outcome because we're all great at some things, but we're not great at everything. Equal outcomes fail every single person because when there is no standard or we lower the standard to the point that everybody can win, we've now accepted mediocre lackluster, and average as good enough. And when we do that, nobody wins and the United States loses. Now, equal opportunity gives everyone, every single person, the same shot at success. And we've got to make that happen by transforming what we do in our education system, in our college and university settings, in what we're doing in both technical training schools, and giving our parents the tools they need to create equal opportunities and to inspire and build merit-based success programs, preparing our children to be successful in life, learning to manage and deal with the stresses they're going to face and stop focusing on these ideological, nonsensical things that really don't matter in the real world. Equal opportunity gives everybody that same shot at success and it gives every single person a chance to rise to their full potential. But when we give everybody equal opportunity, sadly, not everybody is going to take advantage of that opportunity. Now, this too is life. Remember the old adage, you can lead a horse to water, 
but you can't force the horse to drink. Choices and consequences. You, I, our children, everyone in society today, we get to choose our choices. The consequences happen as a result of the choices we're making. And the consequences our nation is experiencing right now based upon the choices we as a nation are making have got to change. And the only way we change the consequences is to revisit the choices and make better choices. Now, when it comes to equal opportunity, we've got to understand this. We are all different. Not everyone is going to be as successful as somebody else in all things. There are always going to be winners and there's always going to be losers. Someone is always going to be better than you at something. Accept it, get over it, and be the very best at what you can be at whatever it is you're gifted at. You're not competing with everybody else. You're competing with yesterday's version of you. Let me say this. Not everybody is going to be the valedictorian at school, but every single student deserves the right, deserves the chance, and deserves the privilege to compete for that honor. We need to stop taking away the opportunities for our children to excel, for our children to show up and show out and let us see what they are capable of and rewarding that and stop lowering the standards because we're concerned over someone's sensitivity or someone's feelings. When they get into the real world, it's tough. And if we don't prepare them for life when they're in those early formative years of our lives and prepare them to face stress, to manage stress, to deal with stress, and to conquer stress, we are going to be allowing them to be overcome by stress and to be victims the rest of their lives. This too is a part of life. Now, you and I, we need to help people, our children, ourselves, and those around us, individuals that are looking to us, we need to help them look within to discover, develop, and deploy their own black belt leader within. And you and I, we need to understand and we need to know that black belt leader within you is going to be different than the black belt leader within someone else. When we discover the uniqueness of who we are and what we've been put on this earth by our creator to do, it's going to be different for every single one of us. It's the diversity that makes us an incredible species. One race, the human race, that together can accomplish incredible things. Now, we also need to learn to celebrate the wins, our wins and the wins of others too, because remember, what gets rewarded gets repeated. But right now, that's not happening in the United States and our society, our country is paying the price. What are we doing? We're criticizing the successful and we're criticizing and attacking those who've helped make them so. We're minoring or we're majoring on minors that really don't matter in the real world. We become social justice warriors for things in the real world that really don't matter. And we're taking those to the extreme. What's happening? We are dismantling and undermining the very things that have made us as a society and as individuals successful. And in doing so, we are sabotaging our future success and America's future success as the world's great shining example for all to see. Now, sadly, America's standing in the world 
is waning. Why? Because from the government all the way down, we've stopped winning as a society. We've started apologizing rather than being proud of our successes. We've started finding ways to lose rather than to win. And as a society, from the government all the way down to moms and dads and brothers and sisters, we have started settling for less. Post-apocalyptic writer G. Michael Hoff summed it up well. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. Parents, educators, the government, and our society, right now, we are creating a generation of weak people. And that means America is in for some really hard times. Unless we start today, you and I making a difference, and we start teaching the next generation to win. I'm John Terry, the Black Belt Leader. Thanks for joining me. Have a great day.